0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome
1: to Love Brand You, the show about personal branding. How your values, beliefs and actions help you define and discover your calling and the evolution of you and your brand. Here's your host, Sam Rafus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Love Brand You. I'm Sam Rafis. I've talked on the show before about innovation and creativity and how they help develop your brand. With today's guest, I'm super excited to talk about nature centered design and how it can open up a whole new way of thinking about yourself and your brand. This year, I've had the opportunity to be in what I call many serendipitous moments. You, you know when you meet some people you just have this feeling that you need to get to know them a little bit more. This is totally what happened with today's guest. I'm going to introduce you to her and then throughout the show you'll find out more why I'm excited to continue our friendship. Kate Johnson grew up in the beautiful green woods of Maine and today makes her home in Washington, D.C. She is a graduate of Northeastern University and holds an MBA from the American University's Cogut School of Business in D.C. Kate is a change maker, driven by empathy, creative confidence, and inspired by the beauty of nature. She helped launch InVentures 2018, the largest international innovation and technology conference in Alberta and I believe in Canada or North America as well, and is currently on the advisory board for the South by Southwest pitch startup competition and this one, I when I read it in her bio, I thought it was pretty cool. She's a volunteer fundraising strategist for TPR, a thoroughbred racehorse rehabilitation and retraining nonprofit in Maryland. Welcome, Kate.
0: Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
1: I'm super excited, like I said at the beginning, for you to be here because when I met you at InVentures in June... And listeners, Kate was one of those people I was walking along and I knew she was on the committee for the show and uh, quite busy, but I just popped by and I kind of said, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. I seem like I need to talk to you. And she looked at me and she said, well, let's just do it right now. I have time. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that we were on the on that little sky bridge across from the telecenter. And I from that moment, from our discussion we had so much in common and I'm when when she told me what she did I said I need to know more about that but at the conference there wasn't enough time and we continued our conversation and I said okay you need to be on the show so start us off Kate what's your backstory
0: yeah. So, uh thanks for all of that. Wonderful bio. It makes me sound so great. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> um yeah, like you said, I um I grew up really immersed in nature. Um my parents bought a plot of land in Maine and built our house directly in the middle of it. Um so really was grew up surrounded by trees. And I really um, I really think that's an important part of my identity—that uh, immersion in nature, and really, what grew out of that is a respect and just a love for nature. Um, I was a Maine Audubon Loon Ranger uh, in the third grade because um, I wanted to share how to take care of uh, animals with my classmates, um, and that's grown to what you shared about me working with thoroughbreds um, today. Um, although I do love going camping and hiking and being out in the wilderness, um, I found myself feeling really isolated in Maine. So everywhere I've lived and everything I've done in my career since leaving Maine has been about connecting to global communities, has been about travel, um, meeting new people like yourself, um, and really trying to tap into that connection between nature and how we solve problems and how we help each other out. Um so my career started with working with a refugee resettlement placement in Maine. Um and I realized I don't want to be uh or I wanted to have that kind of experience every day where I was surrounded by people who are different than myself learning from them. Um you know in Maine um I when I moved kind of moved back to Maine it was this weird reverse culture shock that I experienced. Um in Maine, it's you know probably ninety five percent white, and in the office that I worked, I was the only Caucasian person, and it was it was unique and it pushed my boundaries and it gave me a lot of empathy and understanding um, that if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't have fully understood. Um, and so it's these types of human connections that I've made in those types of circumstances that made me really fall in love with humans centered our design and then learning more about how to incorporate nature into it.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by it because it, I mean, I grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan and mm. I was surrounded by nature as well, but I never, I never thought of looking at, work per se, per se in yeah. that way. And that's why I find it fascinating to talk to you. So what's human centered design and how, how do you yourself use it as a designer? Explain it so that me yeah. and our listeners can understand how you, how you do it.
0: Yeah. So I was introduced to human centered design when I was in graduate school, when I was getting my MBA And the school was trying to design a new incubator space and we had a partnership with a Finnish design school. And so they decided, well, why don't we run a weekend workshop of human-centered design using human-centered design to basically create a human-centered design space? It's kind of cool. And I had heard about it. I'd heard the words, but I didn't know what the heck it was. So I just showed up. Um, this is the things. That, these are the things you do when you're in graduate school: is you go to workshops on Saturday mornings. <laughs> and um, and I remember being a little bit confused, but I remember so distinctly this one thing that um, this uh, professor said. Is he said, "You can design think." Um, by the way, human-centered design is also called design thinking, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about that too. He said, you can design think the way you get dressed in the morning. You can design think how to build a spaceship. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, and the reason why I, why it clicked for me and why I thought that is I'm someone who really likes to be creative in the way that I solve problems. I don't like being told this is the way that we've always done it. And this is the way you will do it.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: What I do like is I'm with you on that. Yeah. To me, that's sometimes a red flag of, okay, here's somewhere that needs to get some work done. Yeah. Um, so I, was, I saw this as a tool that both gave me a framework and kind of a process, but let me solve the problems, let users solve the problems. And the other part that just really made, me, uh, made it really click for me is that it's a problem solving technique that's rooted in empathy. So most times when we solve problems, and you know, you've you probably experienced this, um, someone says, here's the problem, go find a solution. In human centered design or design thinking they say who do you care about who what users are you trying to help get to know them help them tell you what their like what their needs are empathize with their situation and then co-create a solution with them so it's it's a different perspective to take to me it honors um, the users it honors who you who you truly care about um, and it's less, you know, paternalistic, it's less, I have the solutions and you have the problems. It's that let's connect as people and let's co-create solutions, um, based on whatever that is. Um, so a little bit of just backstory on what is human centered design, cause that might be helpful. Um, so many times people hear the process or hear this and they're like, oh, I've been doing this. I just haven't put that language to it. So I will say like this is um, both very innovative and, and forward thinking and yet also rooted in best practices of what people have been doing for a long time. Um, design thinking, that term was created at Stanford. Um, it was created in their design school, and Stanford's design school is called the D school. So that's why you hear D thinking is design thinking. Okay. Kind of cute. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. And it's really, um, it has a lot of roots in making, um, products. So you start with who your user is for the product. You define what the, um, you know, what their needs are. Um, then you say, how are all the ways you, we might solve that with a product. And then you, you create a prototype that you test with users. That's, it Seem it's very like, yeah, that makes sense. That's how we should make products. But think about if it was how might we um, redesign waiting rooms um, in emergency rooms? Or how might we, um, you know, um, uh, change the, change the experience for um, new mothers um, in a certain way. Um, so it's really rooted in who do you care about and then how do you want to help them, um, co-create solutions, um, with you. Um, for me, the way that I've kind of put this, um, in my court and been creative to me, I love the, um, the saying steal like an artist. So, um, to me, that means take something that you love, and make it your own, uh, and so, for me, human-centered design has tailored into nature-centered design because of my love for nature. Um, I, I also really love the quote, you know, the world doesn't need what is it? The, the world doesn't need more people doing something. It just like do whatever like makes you come alive. There's something about that quote. Yeah. Um, to me, nature is what makes me come alive. And so, the more I can incorporate the things that light me up and that I love into the way I solve problems. I I fully believe the better I will be and the better service I will be to others.
1: And as you were talking about that, when you said, when you said, when we think about the people and their problem, how we can solve it, what are, you know, with empathy, Mm. that truly just, it hit my heart. It Mm. made my heart really happy to think, you know, Solving problems from just the end user, and it, it seems so simple, but often it's not. It's not done. And you, you said, you know, yeah. here's a problem, and this is the way it's al- always done. Yeah. We, we can all think about most of the time. That's what we experience is yeah. somebody has said this is the way it's done, and yeah. it, it in innovation. In itself is doing something differently, or you would say, you know, steal the artists, but Mm -hmm. that's innovation. It's taking, Mm -hmm. nothing is really new. It's looking at everything a different way and creating a different way. So design thinking to what you're saying to me is just taking it one step further. Or is that being too simplistic?
0: No, I think that that definitely is a great way to think about it. And I'll say, um, you know, the, the Stanford uh, method of design thinking is five steps. Empathy, define, ideate, prototype, test. And it's an iterative model. So you don't just go through it linearly. You can circle back. And the whole point is that you circle back and you, you brainstorm again and you test again and you create new prototypes and you do things quickly so that you can try as many different ways as possible. And so when you think about especially the, uh, the ideation step, the third step, which is the brainstorming step, when you're ideating with people, with your users, with diverse groups of people, um, to me that's an amazing time to bring in nature. And for me it's, we're not just empathizing with users, we're empathizing with the world. And so to me there's this, there's this beautiful term called biomimicry, um, you can check out the Biomimicry Institute, or there's links on my website uh, to a lot of stuff about nature and design. Biomimicry is the idea that nature has so many solutions that we can model off of. If you think of nature, you know, the world was created, what, 3.8 billion years ago. And so if you think about every piece of nature being a product, that means it's been created, designed, designed. Tested, iterated, improved upon for 3.8 billion years. So that's pretty good proof of concept, Um, pretty well, pretty good examples. And so biomimicry to me comes into human centered design um, when you say, okay, how might we? And you're like, okay, well, we're trying to figure out how to communicate. How might birds communicate? How might a forest communicate? How might another natural system give us a model that we can be inspired by and to bring in a completely different perspective that's a proven perspective um, and has science behind it? It's, it's quite interesting when you think of how to, how to solve problems in new ways.
1: As you were saying that about nature, I was I was thinking just just the other night on my walk. I usually walk every day. I had happened upon a, a goose, a, a duck, and about seven of her little babies, and I actually took a little video. And because it, I just kept watching them. But mm. as you're talking about that, I watched the mother duck because mm. the babies would swim out. And she would give them leeway. You, you could tell she was, she was aware of where they were. But when she felt they were getting too far away, she would do this sound. And yeah. it was not a quack. It was, it was just this different sound that let them know. And you saw these little ducklings come closer into her. And I marveled at it because I honestly thought, this reminds me of when my girls were little. and I you know they I would be trying to give them a little bit of leeway and if they would be getting too far then they knew the tone of voice or what I would say when I would be like okay you know you need to come back over here and I just had that same thought so the fact that we're having this discussion about human centered design human thinking and nature that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful
0: well it brings up the to me the point of are we a part of nature are we apart from it um, and there are so many things in which we look at nature as separate from us and realizing that we are, we are always immersed in it, whether it's me in the middle of acres of woods in Maine or here in the middle of Washington, DC, we're still connected with nature. And and the more we take those moments like you did to, to check in, to observe, um, there's so much just, uh, there's so much inspiration there.
1: And getting, re-energized if if that's Mm -hmm. what you can say just we we talk about getting outside and and getting sunshine or just getting the natural energy from the trees and and the the grass and um, well you and i i think we could talk about that forever (laughs) (laughs) walking barefoot on the grass um so (laughs) tell me how no, let's see. Tell tell our listeners what is an example that you're working on right now.
0: Hmm, that's a great question. So, an example of human-centered design, or yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or or whatever whatever you want to share with us within the within the topic.
0: And sure. again,
1: this is coming back to your brand. Even, even though I haven't said yeah. it, we, we know that this show is defining, you know, who you are as a person and your your personal brand, why this matters to you.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm going to answer this a little bit differently. Okay. Um, so going back to Stanford and the D school, one of the professors there Created um, a course called Designing Your Life. And it was using the human centered design technique, um, that process, not on a product, not on an experience, not on a service, but on someone's life. And it became the most popular class at the D school, as you can imagine. There were people from all across the university being like, I need this. Can you imagine? We're designing our lives. Um, And though I've never, uh, I did not go to Stanford, um, we were lucky enough that they published a book called Designing Your Life. And it leads you through um, a number of exercises, um, a number of really wonderful examples um, using design on your life. And so one thing that I'm doing right now is I'm redesigning my life. Um, I first read the book with a group of uh, fellow fellows um, from a social innovation group that I'm part of called Starting Block. Um, And we went through, and it starts with um, just kind of empathizing with yourself. Where are you? Who are you? What do you care about? And, for example, it it gives you four different components to kind of check in on, and they are um, work, love, health, and play, and I realized in doing this, and this was maybe a year and a half ago, the first time I did this, uh, my play was non-existent. And I went, "Huh, how interesting." And again, it's it's you're empathizing, so you're not judging. You're just noticing. You're you're taking a different perspective on it. And so as kind of as the last year or two has unfolded, I've really been thinking more about how do I design my life? Thinking about that first weekend that I learned design thinking of the fact that you could, you could design, you could design think the way you get dressed in the morning. So of course I can redesign my life. Um, so to me, that is, the focus right now, although I'm, um, I run an innovation lab at the headquarters of the United Way, and I do a number of design thinking sprints there, and do other work outside of you know this type of work. But for me, right now, redesigning my life or just designing my life is something that I think is a really wonderful um, and scary uh, thing to go through, especially because I'm trying to do it not just introspectively, that I'm trying to do it to connect to others. And so even having this conversation and talking through, what do I care about? What is my story? What is most important to me? How, how might I solve things differently? Is part of kind of an extroverted way of me tapping into that um, designing of my life.
1: But by you doing that allows others to look at it and go, hey, you know what if if Kate's doing that I why can't I do that mm mm-hmm. Mhm yeah. yeah which is, which is part of of being a leader which I from from the sounds of it I know that you do a lot of leadership and I I I want to get more into that but we need to take a break and I know I know you have so many wonderful stories and I I think I'd love for you to share your um, when you went to Thailand with MIT and you led the group there. Can you share that story when we come back?
0: Yeah, I'd love to.
1: Okay. Let's take a break and then we'll hear that when we come back. Thanks, Kate. Are you a wellness professional looking to provide clients with meal plans that actually work without all the time and effort on your part? Meal Garden Professional is the answer to beautiful, easy, nutritional coaching with everything you need for your clients and your business to thrive. Meal planning is key to healthy eating, but it shouldn't have to be hard. You can try MealGarden.com totally risk-free for seven days, and if you love it as much as I do, claim your 50% discount at the end of the free trial with special promo code LoveBrandYou. We are back to Love Brand you with my guest, Kate Johnson. Before the break, we were talking about design thinking and nature and what it has to do with designing our life. And Kate was sharing some examples of what that looks like. And then I asked you if you would share your story of the time you went to Thailand to lead the design thinking summit. So, and that was with MIT, right?
0: Yeah, it was with, um, MIT's, uh, D lab, um, which is their design lab. So you can tell with design, we like to just abbreviate the D. (laughs) Um, and so this was, uh, this was a really, really special experience. I feel quite blessed and honored to have been a part of, um, MIT created about, just over um, 10 years ago, something called IDDS, which stands for the International Development Design Summits, Um, and it was created by the person, the woman who started the D-Lab, Amy Smith, and she's just an incredible, adventurous engineer, and MIT really prides themselves on being um, problem solvers in the real world, And so Amy created this um, uh, first just to say, she said, you know, I'm sick of going to conferences where we don't do anything. I want to solve problems. I want like, it was really that engineer in her that she's like, I don't want to just see the problems. I want to get in there and fix them. Right. And so they created a summit. It was a few weeks long and it began in Ghana. Um, And they, they, worked very closely with communities to both teach and design low-tech prototypes to address community needs. Another thing that was really special about it is that she brought in um, participants to collaborate with community members from across the world. So it was a truly international, truly diverse, multiple different languages and perspectives, solving problems at the same time in the muds, um, it's a really cool concept. Um, and people who weren't just all engineers, people who were teachers and people who worked in nonprofits and people who worked in corporate uh, settings, um, which really, when you think of design, the, the one of the most important tenets is diverse and inclusive type of communities. Um, and so... Fast forward to me, um, when I was getting my MBA and after I had really kind of started to fall in love with design, um, I did a certification program through the University for Peace in Costa Rica, and it was an online curriculum about leadership and social innovation and a lot of design thinking, and it included a, a 10-day field immersion in, in Bangkok and Phnom Penh. And so I went to Southeast Asia for the first time with this incredible group of people, and... Um, you know, a few years later was asked to apply to be a senior facilitator with them as they launched the first IDDS in Southeast Asia. And so uh, I knew it was this incredible group of people that really wanted to solve problems in new ways, somewhere that IDDS had never done a summit, which was quite exciting. As you can tell, I'm kind of a pioneer. I like that, like, oh, it hasn't been done yet. I want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, I really, I really get excited about that. Um, And so I um, was lucky enough to get a month uh, off of work, and last July, August, uh, went to rural Thailand um, with this group. Um, There were about 16 organizers and facilitators, including myself. We had 25 participants from 15 different countries. Um, and we are in a really small agricultural um, rice farming village in northeast Thailand called Bang Hang um, which is outside of sisaket And it's up kind of by the, the Cambodian border, maybe an hour from the Cambodian border. And we, were, we lived on an organic rice farm. And I led a team of six professionals um, through both teaching them the tenets of human-centered design, um, working with a a Thai um, design apprentice, so a college student who was learning how to both facilitate and apply design. And we worked uh, in in collaboration with community members. Um, Our topic was around waste, so we did a lot about um, recycling and, and waste management, Um, But there were other groups um, doing everything from working with artisan silk weavers in the town um, to an invasive snail problem in the rice fields um, to um, health problems and setting up um, how might we um, have more exercise and activity in this community. Um, So this... This to me was all of the things uh, that I love all packed in, in one month. It was really quite incredible. Um, you can apply to be both a participant and a facilitator for IDDS summits. Um, there's one happening right now in Botswana, another one happening right now in Kenya. I think that one's actually just wrapping up. Um, but they have them in Africa, across um, Latin America, Um and uh now in asia as well um and they're just and they've had them in the middle east um it's just it's it's such an immersive it's kind of like when you learn language and you're like well if i could just go to france then i could learn french right, right? this is one of those things where is, if you go to idds you learn so much about design and problem solving and innovation and creativity and cross cultural dynamics Um, on my team of six, there were folks from, I think it was six different countries. We had three different languages going on. We had two different translators. It was, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's so fascinating. And uh, what,
1: what was your most surprising or best takeaway from that?
0: Mm. Well, the whole idea of IDDS and I think where we all get so stuck in the world is we get really attached to the solutions that we create, really attached because we solve problems because we really care, right? It comes from such a heart space. Um, but the, one of the most important lessons from IDDS is that it's not about the end solution, it's about getting people to think differently. It's about getting people to connect differently and to solve problems differently. And that it's not about the end solution because nothing is ever finished. Everything is always iterative. And so what you're doing is that you are modeling and, and working together in new ways so that they can work together in new ways in every other part of their life, right? Like how might we bring empathy into everything that we do? How would that change the world? whoa, what if we started there? What if that was just the one thing? Yeah. Um, So to me, it was just this really, really beautiful reminder of that attachment and the, the real magic of the design mindsets, which are start with empathy, which are yes. And so it's not like, no, I don't like that, but it could be it's yes. And what if we did this? It's this like, this abundant mindset of all this, all the possibilities. Um, And then that iteration um, of things never being finished, um, trying things new ways, Um, being able to live that for a month immersively. um, It made me wish that that was how everyone, um, you know, worked together.
1: That's all I'm thinking. I'm just thinking (laughs) we, if we all, if we all did this and, and thinking about their doesn't have to be a right solution. Yeah. And not attached. I I love that. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. I ask every guest about daily habits. But I know, I know that you had because we had talked about listeners, you know, many of my guests we have conversations beforehand so that I find out more more, what we can talk about. And I like to get out the, the, the juiciness of everything that guests can, can, can give. So I know Kate has uh, what she calls the happiness advantage mm-hmm. habit. So I have a little bit of an inside track here. So rather than sharing your best habit, we're going to have a talk about that.
0: Sure. So uh, this is something that I feel really passionately about, happiness. I hope that y'all do too.
1: (laughs) I think most of the listeners by now, they know that this is what the show is about. I mean, it's sunshine, it's happiness, it's love. If you're coming to this show, this is what you're going to get. So let's do it.
0: (laughs) So um, I stumbled upon this really incredible TED Talk a number of years ago um, called the... The secret to better work. Um, and I was like, hmm, okay. What it ended up being was a TED talk about positive psychology um, and from this incredible happiness researcher at Harvard. And I was like, happiness research? What? Um, and this is like while I'm at business school where all I'm reading, I'm not learning about happiness, right? <laughs> um, so I really leaned in. Um, and what the research around positive psychology has, has come up with over the last uh, decade or so is that not only is happiness a competitive advantage for individuals, companies, communities, um, but that there are tangible ways that you can increase your happiness. So they talk about how doctors who say that they're not neutral or negative, but have a, have a positive mindset are like 30 times, 30% better at diagnoses. What? Of course, like, wouldn't you want a happy doctor if that makes them better at that? Um, And also when you think of um, companies, that companies that have employee engagement surveys that show that they're happy actually make more money. Their revenue is higher than those that don't. There are real financial tangible results here. And so um, in this great TED Talk, uh, it, t- it shares the five habits to happiness, and they're very much a part of what I try to bring into my every day, um, and they are as following. Um, so one of them is, um, is kind of what I call like positive journaling. And so there's this thing that happens, and I don't know if uh, if y'all watch the news, but if you watch the news, you think that like 98% of what's happening in the world is negative because that's what gets shown on the news. And then and
1: so- I I won't pay attention to it because <laughs> right. I choose to 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 not because that's right. not what I want to feed. I want to feed myself happy thoughts.
0: Exactly, which is great. Which is the whole idea of the of this this habit of happiness is that when you when you just inundate yourself with negative news, what it does for your brain is it says, okay, that is the actual representative of the world, and it puts you into a, a either fight or flight. It puts you into all of those negative components that actually make you less good at sales, less good at diagnoses, less good at all of those things that we're trying to be good at.
1: Not feeling as well, feeling more feelings of of sadness. Yeah, we could go Mm -hmm. on. Okay. So the happiness part.
0: So to me, one of the most important parts of happiness and the habit is how are we sharing good news? How are we sharing happy stories? How are we sharing successes with each other? How are we sharing those incremental things that make us have hope and faith? and um, all of those good feels on the inside. So to me, it's um, sharing positive news and looking for positive news is a really important part of the happiness habits. Um, the next one um, is... Um, uh, um, sorry, I'm just, like, totally blanking. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. um So the second is, um, uh, is meditation. So um, being able to be still and being able to connect and breathe. There's this great website. I'm that person that I'll have, no joke, 30 different tabs open on my browser. And when I see that, when I'm just like inundated with too much stuff, um, I – go to this website called do nothing for two minutes.com. And it has this beautiful picture of the ocean and it has the sound of waves and it has a countdown clock for two minutes. And if you move your mouse or you press on your keyboard, it starts the countdown clock over and it says start again. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So it literally makes you pause And just for two minutes, because, and I've done silent meditation retreats. I've meditated for hours. That is not something that we can do every day. Right. 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 But I can find two minutes.
1: We all can. We all. Right.
0: So for me, it's bringing in those happy moments and then being able to take a moment, be still and just breathe and focus on my breath, focus on those happy things that are happening. Um. The third happiness habit is kind of the opposite of the second, so stillness, um, movement. And um, I did a Skillshare about the happiness advantage, and the first time I did it, I had people do squats and push-ups and jumping jacks. And I looked around, and I went, I don't think people are happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, how dare you? How dare I'm like, you? shoot. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening to my users. I'm empathizing with where they yeah. are. Let's iterate on this. Um, and so to me, really what movement is about is what are the movements that make you feel joyful? Um, so for me, riding horses is one, um, walking through the woods. Yeah. Um, some people it's dance, swimming, playing with their kids, like whatever that happy movement is, whatever, like your body, you, you know it when you do it, your body just feels good. Um, bringing more of that into your life and and circling back to thinking about the design in your life and play, I was like, oh, what about playful movement? Like, why am I not going on swing sets? It doesn't matter that I'm an adult. Like,
1: yeah.
0: right? Like, how do we bring that more in? Um, so that that movement is really important as well. Um, the next is um, random acts of kindness. Oh. So... Um, they did some research about if you were to every day open up your inbox and send one person a kind note or a generous statement or something. But how might we get in the habit of applauding others, thanking others? Um, what would that do for the world, right? Like, I'm that person. I, think about the last time you opened your inbox. How many... Um, Love notes were in there to you from people. Um, what brands are are saying that? Um, like, how might that change your perception of the world if you had more of that coming to you? And in knowing about a lot of research about um, giving, there's so much positive psychology that happens just through giving. Think about Christmas and presents and birthdays and um, and so many other experiences that that brings so much joy, not just for the person who receives it, but for the person who gives it. Um, and that brings it really nicely to the, the last um, one, which is gratitudes. So this is a, a journaling um, um, practice that I have of what are three things that I'm grateful for? Um, and again, it gets you to scan, like you're already scanning the world for like all the positive things going on. Then you're scanning what are you grateful for um, some days it's like I'm so grateful for a cup of coffee right now sometimes it's very simple um, sometimes it's massive sometimes it's I feel grateful to live in a free society that I can vote um, it really it, it's really about being connected to what's happening in my here and now and being present in my gratitude um, so those are, those are kind of the five of scanning for positive things, meditating, moving, um, being kind, and being grateful. Um, those are practices that I really do try to bring into my everyday.
1: As you were talking about them, I, I thought, yeah. And I, I, I would say most of those I do daily because mm-hmm. I've, I've incorporated them into my life too, and it feels good and because that mm-hmm. is my focus my mm-hmm. focus and purpose is to live and teach love that's yeah that's the world needs that
0: yeah yeah and so that's great. That means you're on your way. It means you're, you're practicing the happiness advantage habits. Um, there's so much really cool research about it. Um, so I'd say like, go check it out. Cause it's, to me, it's really exciting. Um, and it gives me just more ideas of, of how to show up and and bring more positivity into the world. Um, really knowing that we all are all connected and more joy for me means more joy for you.
1: Isn't that so true? Yeah. Oh, we're getting towards the end and I I have so many more questions for you, but I want you to tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. How would you like them to connect with you?
0: Sure, sure. So um my website is katebjohnson.com. It's Kate with a C. Um and my Twitter handle is also Kate B. Johnson. Kind of all of my all of my stuff is Kate B. Johnson. Kate B. Johnson. Kate okay. B. Johnson. Um, so that's really easy. Um, and, you know, I'm really someone who is open to connection and sharing networks and ideas and possibilities and adventure recommendations and stories. Um, so anything that feels right to connect over, I'm not, um, I'm not quite siloed in that. I really do love to, um, to share with, with open hearts. So, yeah, feel free to reach out.
1: So listeners, if you haven't realized by now, this is exactly why Kate and I connected because we are much like-minded and like-thinking. And I want to ask one more question before we end. You and I, when we met, we had talked about we believe the universe brought us together. And that's, you know, a term I use often is, you know, if it's divinely guided, it's meant to be. But what are you asking the universe for right now?
0: Hmm. I feel like so there's a full moon tonight. I there's know. an eclipse tonight. I feel like I you know. asked me that. I like just got all this pressure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, in like such a good way, but I'm just like, whoa, stars are aligning. Um, yeah, um, that's just a beautiful question. What am I asking the universe right now? Um, so truly, what I'm, I'm, I'll say, kind of two things. So the first is um, uh, there's this great practice at Starting Block, which is that that Innovation Fellowship I'm part of, called Asks and Gives. And, um, we would sit in a circle on the last day of the Institute and say, what is your ask for the group? And then what are the gives that the group has for you? And so this, that's how I'm interpreting kind of this question. Um, and I'm circling back to what my ask was my first time I did that circle, which was, I'm looking for incredible, immersive experiences in nature, um, what are some of the things that you've heard about experience gone on that you think makes sense for me to experience? And, you know, I'm someone who um, I've slept at the top of an active volcano in Africa. I've scuba dived with sharks in the great barrier reef. Um, I went hiking in Banff with grizzlies. Shout out to Alberta. (laughs) Um, I love Going into adventures like that. And when I did the ask and give circle and asked about adventure and and travel destinations at starting block, um, someone told me about Sedona, Arizona, and the vortexes there, the energy vortexes. And um, a year later, I went and camped there for five days. Um, and so I really do take recommendations seriously <laughs> for folks. Um, I'd love to hear like where, where in the world, um, you have, you've heard or felt just really incredible, um, nature adventure. And the second is, um, I, my, my ask for, um, for the universe is, um, is to bring more play into my life. Um, to me, I think as adults, we, we don't incorporate it as much as, as we might. And knowing how much, um, creativity and play are connected and solving new problems are connected, um, and just how it's connected to joy. Um, my ask is, um, is for more play. Um, so that can be connected to nature. It cannot. Um, but Again, if any listeners have have ideas for me and want to connect over these topics, I'm all for it.
1: As you were talking about that, I thought, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? You and I are fairly active on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I have the uh, show page on Instagram So listeners, for those of you that are active on Instagram, I mean, you can connect with Kate anywhere and I'll have it on the show page, but specifically on Instagram, I'm on the show page, which I'll be uploading the show. We're recording today, but I'll be uploading for next Wednesday. So it's only a few days and I will put on there and we'll, I'll just make a point of, you know, tag people or tag you, tag me and I'll put it out there. Let's give us some suggestions about where you can where you can next explore.
0: Love it! Yeah, that sounds great. Thank and you. Because
1: I want to know too. <laughs> um, okay, watch for the feed on Instagram and those questions. We're at the end, but give us your best parting words of wisdom, Kate.
0: Hmm. <sighs> You know, what really comes to mind is, um, spend 60 seconds in nature every day. Um, there's something called earthing, um, or you can say grounding, which is being barefoot on the grass. That was something I posted recently on Instagram. Um, something I try to do a lot, um, there's again so much science and research around picking up negative uh ions, which are good ions, even though they're called negative ions. Yeah. Um good, good vibrations on the earth and being grounded. And again, it's if we can do those little micro things that will make us better and the world more joyful, um, I truly believe that nature is is there with us, helping us along the way. And so um, the more you can connect with nature, I um, in whatever way makes sense for you. I would, I would really love more of that in the world. Thank you. Thank you. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time and your energy and feel like I'm just sitting right across the table from you as always. So Uh, (laughs) thank you
1: uh i i just really appreciate you taking the time to be here and listeners i really appreciate you taking the time to listen and tune in and i hope you can share some of your uh tips for kate and i on the instagram feed i'll have that on the show page but you can find love brand you on instagram you can find sam Rafus, kate b johnson and uh, Kate, your website again is katebjohnson.com. Yes. Okay. Until next time, listeners, I am Sam Rafis and keep sharing the love. Love Brand You with Sam Rafis. If you like what you heard on today's show, head to iTunes and subscribe to Love Brand You. You can leave a comment a review, or send Sam a note for recommendations on a future guest you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks for listening to Love Brand You with Sam Rafus. For more, visit samrafis.com, S-A-M-R-A-F-O-S dot com.
0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.